Welcome to Percolating Perspective, the podcast that celebrates, revitalizes, and spit shines American culture and the Western way of life over a steaming, hot, delicious cup of coffee. Today on Percolating Perspective, what is rugged individualism? What are the components that make up rugged individualism? And how do we apply those components to our own lives to become rugged individualists ourselves? I'm your host, Gordon Michael Porter. Please like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. Leave us a five-star review and consider becoming a paid subscriber at patreon.com. Also check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Percolating Perspective. Now for my favorite part of the show, the drip of the day. Today's drip is my personal favorite coffee that comes to us out of Mechanicsburg, Ohio, a company called Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Hemisphere is a really cool company with a great story. Uh, the man owns the farm where the coffee is grown in Nicaragua. Uh, they pay the villagers there, it's a little small village, they pay them well to help lift them up out of poverty. They then ship the coffee to Ohio to the man who owns the company and he roasts the coffee in Mechanicsburg. Today's blend is called Nicaragua SHG Cafe Diego. This is by far the best cup of coffee I have ever tried and it is good at just plain black. By the way, the SHG at the end of that means strictly high grown. And all that really means is that it was grown above 3,937 feet above sea level. Or, for our communist listeners, 1,200 meters. Alright, let's get into the meat of this podcast. What is rugged individualism? Rugged individualism is a distinctly American mindset and spirit that believes in several things, such as taking pride in your work, a desire to be left alone to chart your own course, uh, and to worship God as a man sees fit. You might say rugged individualism is the very soul of America. It's what drove the pioneers and the cowboys out west. It's what drove the pilgrims to Plymouth Rock. It's what drove our founders to the Declaration of Independence. Today, it's what drives someone like Elon Musk to embark on some missions that, honestly, most men believed impossible just 10 short years ago. One component we're really going to focus on today is a concept and a virtue called nonconformity. Now, on its face, nonconformity has some very negative connotations, even some anarchist undertones, particularly in the postmodern era we live in today, and even more specifically in the last two to three years during the COVID epidemic pandemic. To define our terms here, nonconformance is simply not conforming yourself to a standard that you believe to be incorrect. This can be religious, social, governmental. Uh, it absolutely has a place in civil society, but it can be very dangerous as man's nature is to take the path of least resistance or an easy way out. Nonconformance is actually one of the many American virtues that we derive from Christianity. Christ really was the author, with a capital A, of nonconformity. The political and spiritual leaders of the day, uh, San, the Sanhedrin, they, what comprised the Sanhedrin was the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the scribes, they tried to force him to comply with their standards and force him to fall in line. As we know, he held to the truth, and being God, he defines truth, but he held to that truth even to his death, and thankfully for us, his resurrection. A few minutes ago, I mentioned that the rugged individualism is what drove the pilgrims to Plymouth Rock. The man who led the pilgrims from England out of persecution from the Anglican church leader King James I was named William Bradford. At age seven, Bradford became an orphan and was sent to live with his uncles and was set to receive an inheritance. 
Bradford began studying his Bible, and at 12 years old, actually, is whenever he started studying that. And just a side note here, the King James Version was not even translated yet at this point. After studying for himself, he began to walk to and attend a separatist church eight miles from his home. His uncles were actually Anglican themselves and eventually threatened him that if he continued to attend this separatist church, he would be disinherited. After a lot of prayer, William Bradford, at 14 years old, left his uncles behind for good with a note that read, To keep a good conscience and walk in such a way as God has prescribed in His Word is a thing I must prefer before you all and above life itself. I am not only willing to be part uh, to part with everything that is dear to me in this world for this cause, but I am also thankful God has given me a heart to do and will accept me to suffer for Him. This brave act of rugged individualism, and more specifically nonconformity, is what would birth our nation. Just 16 years later, at 30 years old, in 1620, Bradford led the pilgrims across the Atlantic in search for a new world, where he and his fellow separatists could worship God as they saw fit. Upon landing at Plymouth Rock, what would become the God-fearing United States was born. Now, fast forward almost exactly 200 years, we meet a man that you've probably heard of before, Davy Crockett. Crockett is one of the most renowned frontiersmen from our nation's history. At 12 years old, Davy Crockett was actually sold into indentured servitude for a time to, actually, to help pay for his father's debt. His father had accrued some debt, they, his family came from immigrants and they were a, a poorer family, and so to help pay off some debt, his father actually sold him into indentured servitude, and after a period of time, he was uh, released. You might remember Davy Crockett was famously killed at the Alamo. He left his home and headed to Texas to help the then Republic of Texas in their fight for freedom against the Mexican army. If you haven't seen the movie The Ballad of Davy Crockett, uh, it's an old Disney movie. Uh, I think it's from the 60s. It's a little hokey. It is 1960s Disney, but compared to their movies today, it is a masterpiece. It's a great movie. It's actually on Disney+, Plus, so take a look at that. But several years prior to the Alamo, Davy Crockett ran for Congress and served under the, under the administration of Andrew Jackson. As we all know, Andrew Jackson was no friend to the American Indian and was actually directly responsible for the Trail of Tears. Davy, Cricket, uh, Davy, Crockett was, Davy Crockett was not that man. He was a friend of the American Indian and actually fought for civil rights and equal representation in government. For Cricket. <laughs> Davy Cricket.
Come on, get it together. <clears throat> Davy Crockett was not that man. He was a friend of the American Indian and actually fought for civil rights and equal representation. <laughs> Davy Crockett was <laughs> Davy Crockett was not that man. He was a friend of the American Indian and actually fought for civil rights and equal represent <laughs> Davy <laughs> Davy Crockett was not that man. He would. Davy Crockett. Davy Cricket is not that funny. <laughs> Davy Crockett. Davy Crockett was not that man. He was a friend of the American Indian and actually fought for civil rights and equal representation. <laughs> Davy Crockett was not that man. He was a friend of the... <laughs> Davy Crockett was not that man. He was a friend of the American Indian and actually fought for civil rights and equal representation in government for the American Indian. Crockett said this of his time in Congress. It was expected of me to bow to the name of Andrew Jackson, even at the expense of my own consciences and judgment. Such a thing was new to me and a total stranger to my principles. Crockett in every Crockett in every way, shape, and form was a nonconformist, a rugged individualist, and someone we should aspire to be, and somebody I want to grow up to be. One final example of this un one final example of this uniquely American virtue is a patriot. From the American Revolution, Nathan Hale. Hale was a soldier in the Continental Army under George Washington. The Continental Army at this time was suffering defeat after defeat and really needed to get a leg up on the British. Nathan Hale volunteered to be a spy, cross enemy lines in New York City, and gather intel. He disguised himself as a Dutch schoolteacher looking for work and made his way into New York City. Now, Unfortunately, he did take his actual teaching certificate with him with his actual name on it and subsequently was very quickly found out and was hung for espionage. I'm pretty sure day one of spy school, they tell you not to take documentation with your real name on it. But nevertheless, it didn't work out real well for him, unfortunately. But before his hanging, he gave us a quote that we probably know better than any other from the American Revolution. He said, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. We often remember Nathan Hale...
We often remember Nathan Hale as a man of full years, perhaps five. <clears throat> we often remember Nathan Hale as a man of full years, perhaps half of his life behind him. Nathan Hale did what he thought was right to preserve man's right to chart his own course and worship God as one sees fit at only 21 years old. Now, while you don't have to sacrifice your life to be a rugged individualist, you can always do what's right, no matter the consequences, no matter the price. I challenge you, I charge you, take this uniquely American spirit with you every day Take this uniquely American spirit with you every day and practice it. You will be surprised how often you need it. Every day you are faced with options. You can either do the right thing and do what you know to be true or go along to get along and just play it safe because it's the easy thing to do. With that, I'll leave you with it. Please don't forget to check out Hemisphere Coffee Roasters today. Like and subscribe our podcast as well as leave a five-star review Until next week, I'm your fellow rugged individualist, Gordon Michael Porter. God bless America. Have a great week.